Throws it back and scores! Brady Leibold goes back and forth behind the net, comes out the right side and lifts the backhander up and in. Leibold right here on Dillon. Dillon comes back with a right of his own. Here's Leibold uppercut. Another right by Leibold. Now we got another fight. Brady Leibold got the right hand pumping on Tony Mann. Up and over top and trying to control him as Leibold's got that jackhammer right going. Throwing a lot off the helmet. Now Tony Mann answering. But Leibold switched to left and he got a few more in there. Oh, you got to be loving this if you're at the Civic Center. Welcome back to another episode of Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery. This is episode number eight. Can't believe uh, I'm already at episode number eight. Before I say anything else, guys, again, thank you so much, so much for the support, the comments, everything. There's so much has been happening. Um, You know, I'm building a studio out of this old chicken coop in my girlfriend's parents' yard up here on this property. Uh, Big thanks to a new friend of mine, Matt Thompson. Uh, A friend of his, Matt Tashinsky, actually died of a fentanyl overdose. um, And he was a fellow hockey player. He was a second-round draft pick uh, of the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. He played in the OHL and uh, struggled with uh, addiction and and that. And I'm going to touch on that on, on a later episode. But... Um, anyways, he sent me some money to, to pitch into this studio and we're going to name it after him. He's going to come up here and, and check it out. So, so I want to say thanks to Matt and, um, yeah, just thanks to everybody and keep the comments coming in. I really appreciate it. I'm really enjoying doing this. It's helping me more than you guys probably even know. Um, once again, I'm super proud. This episode is brought to you by Team Issued Limited. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. If you guys don't know what Team Issued Limited is, it's a clothing company. Uh, It's a fellow uh, hockey player, WHL alumni, a guy I played with in Kelowna, Jesse Paradise. If you guys have been following the podcast, I talk about it quite often. um check out his website his clothing is and his hats and everything is honestly sick guys go there uh use promo code toe drag 15 to get 15 percent off your total purchase uh, i want to get into the episode so uh, i've been waiting to talk to this guy and growing up in the lower mainland i hated nobody more than this guy um uh, he probably doesn't even know one story that i'm going to talk about and, and how that affected my hockey career when we were about 15 but um this guy uh is you know one of the greatest friends that i met uh playing hockey as much as i hated him through my minor hockey career we got stuck playing together with the swift current broncos and uh on the under 17 team in the regional fraser valley and uh, top 40 we'll get into that uh he is a cyclone taylor cup winner a Doyle Cup champion with the captain of the Penticton V's. He is also a Doyle Cup and an RBC champion as an assistant coach with the Penticton V's uh, from Surrey, British Columbia, the fifth round pick, 94th overall in the 2002 Bantam Draft of the Swift Current Broncos, Michael Hangen. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I'd like to uh, thank Brian Leibold for that last one. Probably wouldn't have got picked at all if it wasn't for him, but... Uh... Yeah, no, thanks. I'm I'm happy to be here. I can't uh, so proud of you, and um, it's been so fun watching uh, watching this take off for you. And um, happy I can I can be a part of it. Um, not uh, not too sure it's a good idea on on my part to follow up uh, Terry Roskowski and and Doug McLean, but uh, I guess here we go, anyways. 
Well, honestly, uh, well, I'm going to call you Spongebo on here, and I'll give everybody the rundown of that. If, if I stand corrected, I didn't give you the nickname. When I came to Swift Current, you were already there. Uh, we were already friends. We'll get to that. But you were like the youngest guy in the league because uh, your birthday is November 27th, 1987. So as a 16-year-old, you were like the youngest guy in the league. So these guys on Swift Current gave you the nickname Spongebob. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So, um, you know, I was, I was 15 and, until, like you said, November 27th. So basically the first half of the year. Um, and my rookie year, we, I believe, had uh, five NHL contracts on the team and, and a real, real good team. Um, we were ranked nationally um, in the CHL. And, and kind of like you said, I was a, I was a young guy. And um, Aaron Rome was my stallmate next to me. And uh, yeah, you know, I think... SpongeBob obviously had come out that year. I mean, uh, I can't say I've ever watched a, a single episode or whatever. Um, but yeah, he he bounced back between Chickpea and uh, and SpongeBob. So or SpongeBob. So and SpongeBob uh, yeah, and SpongeBob stuck with and SpongeBob stuck with you for like everybody still calls you that in in the hockey world as far as our friends go, and it's just so funny, right? And it's just one of those things. But um, uh. uh on top of all those championships, uh, Mike, that you won, uh, there was one that I didn't list, and that is the Port Coquitlam International Bantam Top Tournament team. in 2002. Right, when I yes, he certainly yeah, did. Right. So, and and this is when we were like arch rivals. Like I hated him. So I I don't know if you know this story. So. Um, I, I've talked about it, I think on, on one of the podcasts or, or maybe I wrote about it, but if I hadn't, this is the story. So, um, going to like under 16s, um, uh, that's really when you're going to get drafted. You go to the BC winter games, you made the team at the under 16s. Well, I quit after the very first practice because you and Garrett Hunt were like threatening me and I was scared. So I pretended to be sick. And uh, I remember telling my dad, I was like, oh, like, you know what I mean? Because I had no confidence. And I actually quit, didn't make the team, never got drafted, whatever. Um, and me and you ended up playing together uh, the following year at the under-17s. And But, I mean, I don't know. Did you know that at all? I never told you that, did I? No, I uh, I must admit I didn't. And I uh, I feel bad about that. I, I, I don't even – I can't say I, – I can't, I can't say I remember that. But, uh, you know, the you touched on the – the Port Coquitlam Pup Tournament, um, that uh, that final when we had won was my last game in minor hockey ever. Um, but what I do remember is that being a big deal in minor hockey and, and uh, stuff like that. And, you know, while everyone else is trying to impress the WHL scouts in the stands, uh, you and I were trying to spear each other in the throat uh, <laughs> as 13 or 14-year-olds. Or, or I mean, I remember, uh, I remember a couple times especially the one time, cause like you were such a good player and, and uh, you know, you were, you were also tough. And I mean, obviously that translated uh, to junior hockey and stuff like that. But I mean, I remember, you know, being worried about you beating me one-on-one -on -one, and I didn't know if that was going to happen or if you were just going to soft chip it in my corner and bury me from behind. So uh, <laughs> I remember definitely that the head was on the swivel that tournament, and especially every, uh, every time you and I played against each other. And actually I remember uh, it's funny uh, I just thought of this right now. Um, the one game, you guys were down by a, a goal or two, um, and I mean, you guys always, always, always had a good team. Uh, tons, tons of good players, and and even uh, the guys that didn't make it, 
Um, you know, I shouldn't say make it, but you know, the guys that maybe didn't go as far as uh, they maybe had hoped to, um, like those players were still really, really good. Um, but uh, anyway, so you guys were down by a goal or two. Um, and you scored, you know, you scored a goal to tie the game and, and me and a couple of guys were standing there by the glass and you came by and, and obviously there's whatever, a couple hundred people in the stands that you could have looked at and whatever else. And you skate right by the glass and look at me and give me a wink. And I remember thinking, I go, motherfucker. <laughs> so the, the, the game game goes on, goes into overtime. Sure enough, you get the puck. And in a typical fashion, you get one chance in, in the slot and goes bar down. And, you know, you can turn to any corner on the entire ice. But, of course, you go to the corner where I was. And I don't know if you did the Timu Solani shoot the stick or, you know, the Pavel <laughs> or you know, who knows? The possibilities are endless with you, but uh, I mean, even the the Tiger Williams. Uh, <laughs> I actually remember that too, and and you guys were watching because whoever won that game uh, was playing you guys in the finals, right? And and okay, yeah, and there was like go. there was only yeah there was a couple minutes left in the game. We were playing Kamloops, I think, and they had a good team too. But yeah, and honestly, man, my whole life, like, so for people that don't know, anyone listening to this from Port Coquitlam, uh, growing up. Uh, we all like as players, we, we were stick boys at this tournament for uh, away teams. And like, we looked forward to this tournament, our whole lives growing up. Like we dreamed of playing in this tournament. We watched the older kids playing it growing up. So when we got our chance and then we got to the semis and we got that, I remember like winking at you as still, and I hated you then that was way before we were friends. And, uh, and then obviously we lost you guys in the final and you crushed, you crushed my dreams. But, and yeah, that was your last minor hockey league game. You, you went on to play junior B and uh, people listening might say like, Oh, junior B, but uh, back in 2002, 2003, there was no major midget. There was no high school programs in BC. Um, and you couldn't play in the Western league at 15. So uh, the best and midget really wasn't uh you know, the caliber it is today. So what these guys did is they all played junior B and uh, you played for the Richmond Sockeyes as a 15 year old. Uh, and you guys yeah, had a really right. good team. Um, but do you, I actually played, uh, played one game as a 15 year old for the Port Coquitlam Buckaroos in my hometown, junior and B. It was, it, and was, it, was against, it was against us and you scored. I remember. Yeah. And you were on the ice dash one, buddy. Yeah. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I I know exactly. It was, uh, and it was in your guys's rink too, wasn't it? Yeah, and you know what? It was a couple weeks after that that um, we went to the under seventeen, the under seventeen camp, and so going into the under seventeen camp, like I had made a decision because when I didn't get drafted in the Bantam draft. I was like, man, like, and I think not going to the under 16s really hurt. Like, you look at those, like everyone that went to the under 16s pretty much got drafted, but like. So when the under 17s came, I remember, and this is no word of a lie. So like, I was like, man, I got to make this team. If I want to go on in hockey, I need to do this. So like, I remember I was still like, I always had problems with girls. I was obsessed with my girlfriend as we'll get into, but like, I, I was like, Hey, I'm going to shut everything out for once in my life. And I was like, I even went to school. It was like a Friday and we had the thing in Langley for the regional camp and we stayed in the hotel, whatever, yeah, but right. we had, we had to go to school on that Friday. And like, I remember I had ear like uh, my earbuds in the whole day listening to Tom Cochran's Big League like on repeat, and I was like told my teachers I'm like fuck off, I'm like I'm listening to this song, I'm not doing any work, leave me alone, like you know what I mean. And I went there, and we both, you and I, made the team. Um, and do you remember going to trail for for the regional camp, like or the tournament? 
Of 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 course I do. You mean you mean the part where we uh, went with the female ringette team, I believe it was, and we all sat with uh, with one of them on the way up. <laughs> yeah, something along those lines. But I remember you guys throwing uh, a few of us in the wall in the bathroom. Um, the couple guys that weren't on the under sixteen team the year before. Um, you guys all took it in your hands to uh, haze us and uh, throw us in the bathroom, take all our clothes, tie them in a knot. Uh, and then throw them in there. And this is like a tiny bathroom on the bus. And back then, this is just the way hockey was. But now rookie hazing's changed a lot. And and that changed after like our 17-year-old year uh, a lot. And I don't know if you remember that when, when all that stuff happened out in the Ontario Hockey League with all the rookie hazing and all that stuff. Do you remember that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, to your point, um, you know, I've been, I've been stuffed in uh, a dirty bus bathroom um you know m- many many times and and uh you know obviously things are, are different nowadays um and you know what it's uh you know it's a it's a change of times and and things progress and and get better and and you know the the guys were they weren't trying to harm you they weren't trying to hurt you they're just uh we're trying to look for a reaction and if you gave them the reaction they wanted um then they gave you a hard time if you didn't give them uh any reaction uh then you know no harm no foul and, and nothing really happened but uh yeah i mean um between um you know the under 15 under 16 stuff um and then being a rookie in richmond uh, as a 15 year old and then going to trail uh yeah. because i signed my letter of intent with michigan uh doing that rookie party and then leaving the day before uh the broncos uh, home opener um, and going there and then doing that rookie party. Um, yeah, I've been, uh, been part <laughs> yeah, of my, went, my fair share to say the least. You went through the ringer. So yeah, you, um, a little bit about your hockey career. So I said you got drafted by the Swift Current Broncos, but you just mentioned, uh, that you signed your letter of intent with Michigan. You had all sorts of scholarship offers. I remember, and, um, you were kind of like pick of the litter, whatever you, wherever school you wanted to go. Um, you went to trail and, uh, you know, and you started off the year really well. You played a couple games there. Um, and what was ultimately the decision to, to leave trail and be like, Hey, I'm going to give up my scholarship rights and go to the Western league because, um, you were pretty dead set on going to school. And I never really asked you about that, but cause yeah. What, what was the deciding factor? And looking back on that, uh, would you still make the same choice? Yeah, great, uh, great question. Um, especially with with uh, my coaching experience and, and being on both sides of the coin. So I'll start from the beginning. Um, when I got drafted to Swift Current, um, being a kid from Vancouver, um, obviously, um, you know, I I remember the draft day, um, and I knew, you know, like I had always worked hard. Um, you know, thankfully, my family. Um, was unbelievable. Um, you know, like my parents gave me every opportunity. Um, you know, when, when you're younger, you have no idea and, and don't understand what it, what it, what it takes or probably what, what it took for, for them to do those, those kinds of things. Um, but, uh, so in the summertime, I had, a, an agent, uh, Mark McKay from Octagon Hockey, he had approached me and, you know, I was a kid at, at that point the only people I knew who had agents were movie stars. So I, I didn't even, you know, I didn't really understand where the whole thing was going. Um, so he had kind of explained to me that if I don't like where I'm drafted in the Western league draft, that that can be an option. 
Um, and then he also had laid out a few examples. Um, you know, the, the simplest one uh, for the for the Western League guys, I'll use Duncan Keith um, as an example, um, where, you know, he either goes the college route for a year or he doesn't go at all and just uses it a kind of like a, a leverage tool or, or just kind of a, uh, a piece. So when I had gotten drafted by Swift, um, I remember my dad, you know, being from the prairies was really happy. Uh, so was my mom. Um, that I'd gone to, to a smaller town. Um, and, you know, at the time I didn't understand, but obviously they knew me best. Um, and with how immature I was at the time, you know, getting drafted by Swift Current was, was the best possible thing. Um, you know, being able to go to high school in, in Saskatchewan and stuff, you know, I, my parents understood that. But before that, you know, being a fifth round pick, I mean, you know, those other guys ahead of you, you know, rounds one through four, are going to get those first chances, those, those first cracks. So what, you know, my, my father and my family and and my agent did was kind of just gave me a bit of a bargaining chip or, or, so they'd worked, worked hard for some opportunities. Um, You know, they were talking to different junior A teams and stuff like that. Obviously I'd been, been scouted uh, pretty decently just playing junior B uh, the year before Uh, we had guys like Raymond Sawada um, and Jason Garrison um, who, out of uh, junior B got full rides um, and guaranteed spots in, in, in junior A. So some teams had watched me play and, and to make a long story short, um, you know, uh, the, the song and dance for most of the teams was, you know, your usual 16 year old uh, speech, but uh, trail was, was a little bit different where um, they had offered me, you know, and, and promised me uh, some special teams uh, time as well as, uh, they had a 20-year-old, a uh, right-handed shot 20-year-old, and, and I was a lefty. And they had told me that the first 15 or 20 games, they would pair me with him. And depending on how I did, um, you know, was up to me. And, and the opportunities after that were up to me. So uh, I had gotten off to a great start with Trail um, through a, a contact of ours. Um, I had uh, an offer, uh, a legitimate offer from uh, Miami of Ohio uh, in Michigan. And I signed my letter of intent with Michigan. Um, had actually gone down there, uh, in the summertime. And, uh, like I said, started in trail, things went great, uh, scored a couple goals and, and everything went great, um, to start. And then, uh, it was a bit of a weird situation. I don't want to go into it too much, but, uh, there was some, some sort of legal troubles with, with the coach, uh, where, you know, uh, he was either taking money or there was money unaccounted for, or what you know, whatever the case may be, but they had fired him. And he was the one that recruited me. Um, so in came uh, another coach, uh, this new coach. You know, right or wrong, I uh, have no idea. Obviously, I, I, I was only the 16-year-old player. But uh, uh, he thought it was beneficial for me not to play with the 20-year-old, but to sit in the stands. Um, so I had spent a few games sitting in the stands. And obviously, um, you know, Brad McEwen, who was the general manager of Swift Kern at the time, um, very smart man. Uh, you know, he's heavily involved in hockey Canada nowadays. Um, obviously, you know, saw, you know, got wind of what was happening, uh, saw that as an opportunity. Um, and, you know, just so happens the second or third game in a row, I, I sat, um, obviously I'd had enough of it. Um, and, uh, he took the opportunity, said, listen, he goes, uh, our home openers in 48 hours. He goes, uh, get on a plane tomorrow. And he goes, uh, you're, he goes, you're playing in the home opener. Uh, in the Western Hockey League at 15. 
um, <laughs> which, you know, as, as, as you know, um, is, I mean, that, that's an opportunity that you can't, you can't pass up. I mean, I didn't even go to training camp. I was 15 years old. So, um, I had, uh, my, my, I remember my, my parents flew me to Swift Current and, uh, my dad came to the game and, and, uh, I played the first game, uh, a day later and, uh, actually scored, scored in the game. Um, and I remember scoring, putting my arms up in the air. I couldn't believe I scored. And uh, <laughs> I remember seeing my dad in the stands and, and seeing him smile. And, um, I mean, that was 16 years ago now. And, wow, uh, man. I can remember, I can remember it like it was yesterday. Scoring in that in that Western Hockey League game at 15 and, and seeing my dad's uh, my dad's smile was was pretty special. Yeah, your your dad Tom and, and your mom Linda and your sister Leanne, you you've had a great family support throughout your life, uh, not just in hockey. And um, I wasn't there for that. I actually made uh, you were in uh, training camp. That's right, because you were in trail. But I was at training camp. Uh, I actually signed with them in, in training camp. Um, and made the team, but then I got hurt, and then I was basically um, too intimidated to go to main camp, even though I was hurt. And they're like, "Just stay." And I was like, "No, I'm gonna go home and rehab." But I ended up not even being able to bend my knee for or leg for like a month. I, I got a, a really bad uh, Charlie horse, and it calcified, and it was bad. And I ended up going back and playing junior B. But I got called up as a 16 year old around or at, after Christmas time. We flew back together on Boxing Day. Do you remember that? Yeah, I sure do. That's right. Yeah. And uh, so like that's uh, that was after you and I had played on the under 17s together and been to the top 40 camp. Um, so that would have been the summer before um, going to the top 40 camp after the uh, the regional camp. Like so the regional camp and trail. Now I think it's in Salmon Arm or, or Kitimat, somewhere like that. But back for us, it was a trail and and ev- all the teams had to sleep in a curl in the curling rink, like the ice of the curling rink was taken out. But we all had to bring air mattresses and sleeping bags. And, like, there was no lighting. And do you remember how cold it was? And, uh, like, do you remember, like, smushing up bananas and putting them in other guys' sleeping bags on other teams? And, uh, you know, and just, like, you know the what? chirp fest? Um, and... You know, it was it's unbelievable. Um, and, you know, it, we could have this podcast for six hours long. And I'll be able to bring <laughs> up a million different instances. Like, you know, I did my best when I was at home underneath my parents' thumb. <laughs> and it wasn't that I like to get it. I just, I like to have fun. I like to be around the boys. I like to have fun. Um, you know, and especially in a, in a, in a setting like that, you know, anyone that's been involved in, in, you know, uh, a process uh, such as that one, like. It's a grind, remember, eh? Well, I put, put it this way. I remember Carrie Price uh, was bunking above me and he was wearing a golf shirt tucked into khakis every day and you myself and probably about 20 other guys um i'm sure you could go down the list you know we know them all we're squishing bananas and putting sugar in in his bed sheets and and you know just just being kids you know we were kids and uh um we we had so much fun and and um you know those tournaments like that i mean it was uh you know the stakes were high at 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 that age that's that's a real big deal um you know it's it's the first step and they make no bones about it but you know those those trial camps and those that's the first step to making the world junior team and you know they make sure that that they touch on that and uh, make sure you understand where you are and and i mean uh, some of the 
you know, the, the most nervous times in my entire life, you know, to this date, um, were those fitness testings. Oh, I agree. 100%. I mean, I was absolutely petrified. Yeah, I no, I, I agree. And, uh, just like, you know what I mean? And just being, I had no confidence. Like, I'm just worried that all these guys are outperforming me, even though I think I did all right. But do you remember, okay, so we both made it, uh, past our regional team to the top 40 and we went to a Soyuz. Um, uh, and you and I drove up together with your mom and dad. Do you remember that? And yeah, I don't I know do. if you remember this, but we had, we had these booklets. So like, if you made it to the top 40, you got these book, you got this book and you had to like record everything that you did, like workout wise and this and that. And I remember I, I was so behind and I mean, I had worked out a little bit, but like not anywhere near, like I probably should have been. Right. And I remember getting into your, your dad's Explorer. I think he had a Ford Explorer and my, my dad dropped me, dro- my dad dropped me off at, at your parents' house there in Surrey, uh, Fraser Heights before they moved there. And, uh, and, uh, I got in the car and, and I'm like, told you, I'm like, fuck Hangy. I'm like, I haven't even done this. And you're like, oh man, me either. And me and you were switching pencils back and forth and pens. And I think you actually trained though. You just hadn't fill, filled out the Correct. paperwork or whatever. So I'm like copying yours down and, and switching the pens back and forth. And, and we're like, Linda, you got another color pen in your purse there. And she's like, here boys, you know, like we're just kids. Right. Little, and like, little, I remember little. though being nervous. Yeah, I mean, little did they know that was a, a sign of things to come at this with current comprehensive high school uh, a few <laughs> years down the road. But uh, yeah, I mean, those, those events were, were terrifying. But uh, I mean, holy smokes, what, uh, um, you know, what opportunity is as such young kids, um, you know, just the, the, the discipline and, and, you know, the way you have to present yourself around uh, around the staff and, and the way you have to act and, and uh, be a good teammate and, and then at the same time perform. Uh, on and off the ice yeah. uh they're you know they're they're pretty special events and, and opportunities yeah i uh i certainly felt uh very honored to be there but i'll tell you one thing i never felt like i belonged um at the top 40 camp so we're all bunked together that's when you were bunked with carrie price you're saying and i was bunked with kendall mccardle um <laughs> and uh i love kendall to death poor kendall has a little bit of a stutter do you remember the like this was just a chirp fest. So like, as soon as the lights go out, there's 40, 15 year old hockey players all in bunks, open concept room. And everyone's just chirping. And I remember being like, people being like, they'd say like, hang yeah. in what round, what overall, Hey, brulee, what overall, just as a joke. Cause he went first overall, you know what I mean? And they'd be like, leave old, what overall, yeah. I'm like P-A-S-S, like, cause I didn't get drafted. And then like, and then I remember like Tobin Greengrass, this kid, this kid, but really he was like a man child from Victoria. Yeah, he was. A and he's like, right. he's like, uh, hey, Lynch about Jason Lynch, this kid from Coquitlam. He's like, hey, Lynch. And Lynch is like, what? He's like, your feet are as quick as Kendall's sentences. And poor Kendall's like, who, who said that? And like, I felt bad for Kendall. I would never want to make fun of him. And, and his stutter is, is public knowledge and he's gotten a lot better on it. But like, man, honestly, that was one of the funniest things ever. And like Kendall laughed it off after because Kendall's a, a good spirited, yeah, funny, well, hilarious guy. But like, that was, that was probably one of the funniest beaks. And like, like, I think if Kendall probably at first though could have found out who he was, he probably would have killed him. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, he he was a tough kid. Um, oh yeah, one of the he was the best athlete there, probably, eh? 
Kendall was yeah, probably the best athlete at that camp, stuff, right? But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, um, you know, played on the World Junior Team, um, got drafted in the first round, and, and played in the National Hockey League. And actually, a lot of people don't know that his high school in Burnaby wouldn't accept him um, when he was playing in Moose Jaw when he was 16 and 17 to come back and, and, and go to school at home. So he had to stay in Moose Jaw both years. And a lot of people don't know that uh, he joined the track and field um, program at the high school in Moose Jaw. Uh, obviously he had nothing to do stuck in Moose Jaw <laughs> as a kid from Vancouver. Um, and he had set Saskatchewan records. Oh, wow. Um, at, uh, at 16 and 17 for, for track and field. Yeah. He was uh uh, incredible kid. Uh, him and I roomed together at the Quebec PV tournament. Um, yeah, he's, a, he's and, awesome. And obviously, uh, obviously out, outstanding hockey player as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so from there, yeah, you went to trail, then you went to Swift. I got called up, but we said in Christmas, I remember hanging out with you and a guy named Jason Fran- Fransu. Uh, we just cruising around uh, with a big, uh, big mouthful of chewing tobacco. And I want to get into this uh, uh, story quick about the chewing tobacco side of things not that i'm trying to promote it by any means but um so yeah i got called up i got an assist my first game i remember and then i got sent down i remember getting called back up into playoff for playoffs i never played um but do you remember uh, a guy by the name of colin stone and do you remember him getting hit like brutally by a guy named ryan hallwig and i'm not trying to put hallwig on the spot or anything uh yeah stoner uh, on the spot but funny all yeah, no, funny. I'll 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 actually uh, take this over and get into it a bit. So, um, worst hit I've ever seen in my life, no question. Um, you know, it's it's tough. Uh, Hallwig, the way he played, um, you know, you see tons of guys on on TV like this, and and I mean, he actually ended up uh, playing this role uh, for the Rangers a bit, and um, yeah, he you know just uh, a a real bad hit, and and even to this day, it's you know the worst sound. Uh, I've heard um, on the ice, whether it's playing or coaching. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, he, it's not as if he targeted Stoner. Uh, he, you know, he, this was his role and he did this uh, to every guy, you know, it would have been similar to, to Dorsett. Um, you know, he, he was, he was finishing his check. He was finishing it hard and you knew. Um, obviously the outcome was unfortunate. Uh, Stoner was, was a, a good guy and um, you know, a good player and had a bright future. And, and I mean, his brother uh, played a bit with the Oilers and that, but, um, you know, I'm pretty sure you don't know this, but uh, in the summertime, um, I was training in uh, Langley at a place called Revolution Fight Gym. It was like a, uh, an MMA facility, uh, but there was a hockey trainer there and Hallwig had grown up with this hockey trainer. So I actually got to know Ryan while he was playing uh, for the Rangers and, and what a great guy, um, awesome guy. I never brought up the story. Um, you know, he'd asked me where I played played junior. Because um, obviously, you know, we were, you know, it was just uh, my first year uh, when when we played against him. So, you know, we wouldn't have seen each other, you know, often. He remembered me from Swift and, and stuff like that. But, you know, we didn't talk about it. And obviously, uh, Colin was a friend of ours. But, uh, you know, just a, a, a real nice guy and, and very respectful and, you know, so, um, just, uh, yeah, that was, a. so like, yeah, before we get into any more of our stories, like I had James McEwen on and, uh, we talked, he's the, obviously the face of this W, uh, WHL, OHL, QMJHL lawsuit, the whole CHL class action lawsuit for concussions. And, 
um, originally my thoughts on it were like, no, listen, I uh, understand, um, you know, I'm playing hockey. There's dangers here. I'm a warrior. I love it. This is what I do, whatever. Uh, I would never be as part of a lawsuit. Um, But real shit, like I've had so many concussions and I know I'm dealing with the effects, but two, I know there's guys out there struggling and that have it a lot worse, not just hockey players, but football players, whatever. Uh, and I'm kind of worried about where it's going down the road. Uh, a guy like Colin Stone never played hockey again after that. Um, not wasn't from a fight or anything like that, but definitely from a concussion on a dirty hit. And it's just some of these, sometimes these things happen, but What's your take on the class action lawsuit? And I know you were a coach in the BC Hockey League. I know you're a coach in the WHL. Um, I know you're still doing some coaching and and you probably have a, a huge future in coaching. So I don't know if you want to touch on this, but what's your stance on that, really? You, you know what? Uh, you and I actually didn't talk about bringing this up, and I'm, I'm so glad you did. So, um, And very fitting you talked about Colin Stone. So, you know just how how we explain you know that hit um was it a major hit and and did it sound horrible absolutely but i mean it wasn't as if he was convulsing on the ice and had you know uh, severe lifelong implications um he had a bad concussion um we all at some point unfortunately have had those him and his family sat down and made the decision that that was going to be colin's last um, I didn't do that with my family. That, that wasn't, if they even entertained that conversation, it, I would have gone absolutely bananas. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, the, there's two sides to this coin. Um, you know, Colin and his family, uh, with, you know, the doctors and, and his player representatives, um, that was a decision they made. Um, every player has the decision. Uh, that they can make um you know it, it starts all the way back when when you're in in peewee or whatever the heck it is when when hitting gets introduced well some kids decide that they no longer have any interest in playing with the puck so guess what they're enroll <laughs> in baseball um you know whereas other guys thought it was fun um yeah you had you've been murdering kids since adam <laughs> um you know, like it's, 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 it's a personal choice. Now I understand uh, where they're coming from in the sense that they're now at a certain age and they're feeling the effects. Um, but, you know, at, at the same time, my, my honest opinion, you, you asked and, and I'll give it, it's probably not going to be, um, you know, one, one that people rant and rave about. I, I think, you know, I'm, and not every case, so I don't want to throw a blanket over every single player because that's not that's not fair. Uh, everyone's different. Everyone's mental makeup is different. Uh, everyone's right. concussion uh, history is different. But you know, there's some of those guys uh, that that maybe this is true, but my honest to gut feeling tells me 99% of them uh, have made poor choices and and simply weren't good enough um, to make it and and are are unhappy uh, at where they're at. And now they have somebody to blame uh, and they maybe have an opportunity to, whether it's gain something financially or, or, you know, I, I don't even know what, what they're trying to gain out of it. Um, I haven't even looked into it. Uh, someone had reached out to me a while ago. Um, you know, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't even, you know, return the call um, 
for the yeah, guys. I'm gonna... for the guys. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead, Sponge. I was just gonna say, you know, for for the guys that, um, you know, this has, you know, severely um, impacted their life, uh, and not due to their own choices. Um, you know, I, I I sincerely hope they get what they want, but, you know, for the guys that treated concussions like I did when I got concussions and laughed about it, and went to the team party anyways on the Sunday, um, I don't feel bad. You know, we. we we were in Swift Current and we, you know, we didn't have world-class doctors like in Calgary or something. And, and, and we all knew at a young age, what, what it meant and where it was at. You know, I, I don't, I don't think, you know, I don't think it's right to say, you know, we didn't have that much information. Did we have as much? Of course we didn't, but guess what? You also knew that your noggin got shaked around and, and that you don't even remember the hockey game. So what yeah. you chose to do after that was completely your choice, how your parents, and your agent or, you know, whoever was involved decided, you know, how they chose to monitor the situation and, and heal you up, then so be it. But, I mean, like I remember, uh, I'll give Butter, uh, Jamie LeBlanc, a, a shout-out. Um, you know, people want to say how, how concussions were ignored and this and that. Like, and I, I remember getting a bad concussion and it got beat up in Medicine Hat that one night, you remember. Kevin Undershoot. I had, what I think, I think, you know, I had to go home and, and it was like 10 days. I wasn't allowed at the rink for 14 days. And then, you know, day, day one, I came back after no headaches or whatever and rode the bike lightly and then they increased it. And, and, you know, as things got better and, and, you know, and, and then I was able to play. So, you know, were there the studies and, and this and that about concussions? Of course not, absolutely not. The world evolves and so does technology. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, man, uh, we all knew, um, yeah, if, if you're trained, if, I think so. I think so too. Like uh, I listen. Like I'm not so sure about the whole concussion things. I think that there's just a a lot of holes in in the whole thing. Like I I don't really care. I wouldn't want any money or any compensation myself. But I would like to see some changes like implemented, uh, especially around the scholarship pro, especially around the scholarship program in the CHL. That's something that I'm really going to advocate for because like, if you want to slug it out in the minors for a bit, like, and you don't make it, like, why should you have to forfeit your school? If we work our whole lives to, to go play pro hockey, why should we have to make that choice right then when we're at our peak? You know what I mean? So that's a topic for another day, I guess, but you know, so yeah, you, you and I played together in Swift and, and, for the first full year, uh, our 17 year old year. And I'll tell you what, that was a blast and we had so much fun. And uh, what's your biggest take from that year? And what do you remember really from my first year in the Western League? Um, well, the, oh, well, the second you say that, and I know you'll agree uh, right away. So when you say the first thing I remember, the first thing I remember is your poor dad paying for you to get uh, braces for however long. And you get your braces off and, uh, you know, probably five grand or whatever the heck it was back in the day. And then you get uh, you get all your teeth knocked out in uh, in preseason by Blair Stangler. That's that's the first thing I remember. But uh, what I remember is, you know, um, all of us being, you know, kind hearted, you know, great spirited kids. You know, there's a ton of young guys. We love to have fun. We love to play hockey. We love to compete. Um, you know, if, if you strapped us all to a lie detector test, I'm not sure if, if, uh, you know, what, what the truth would have been, you know, for all of us, if, if we liked, um, hockey or or having fun more, but, uh, 
you know, what a fun group. And, and, you know, especially for, for us as kids from Vancouver to be in Swift Current, um, obviously, you know, you're getting away with a little bit more and, um, you know, stuff like that, or, or, you know, I don't even want to say get away with more, but, you know, we learned how to drive in Swift Current. I mean, I, I got my license <laughs> into high school altogether there. Um, learn how know, to drive. You mean learn how to crash. You learned how well, to crash I mean, cars in Swift Current. <laughs> well, I mean, as 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 uh, as immature kids from Vancouver driving in the snow and ice, yeah, we we got banged up a few times. But uh, you know, uh, I I cannot say enough um, about Swift Current and, and all of our time there. Um, you know, through any of the good or bad, um, I, I, you know, being being thirty two now, uh, I, I don't care about any of it. You know, the, the only things I ever focus on um, and uh, reflect on is just how much fun we had and, and, um, you know, some of the, the wonderful people we met, um, you know, and they just, you know, being able to have that chance to, to grow up and learn how to drive and, and, you know, hang out with girls and, and, you know, kind of get out on your own and, and, and grow up a bit, uh, you know, 15 hours away from home in, in, uh, Swift Current Saskatchewan was, um, like, you, you know, you can't pay for, for an experience like that. And I think all of us were, were pretty fortunate for it. For sure. And, and I agree with you. And as much as there was times where I thought it was hard done by because I was dealing with depression or mental health or um, worried about my girl back home uh, at the time, like uh, people may not know, but I actually went home my 17 year old year. Um, the coach granted me like a three or four day leave because I was having like a mental breakdown in like October, November. And you guys gave me the nickname baby after that. They were like, go home, baby. No, go home, you got to go. You got you have to go back. Okay, All right, you, you have to ahead. give me some credit. Who who watched you drive away and begged you not no, to go and told that, you that, it that was when I was 18. Thing. That was when I was 18. This is the year before I'm talking about. You remember I went home for like three, four days and I came back oh, yeah. and you guys you guys gave me the nickname baby, whatever. But well, that year that year was a crazy it. year. Like, do you know how much heat no I took? Mercy. So so listen, like yeah, there was. So listen, you said I lost my teeth. So uh, you and I both went to Swift Current Comprehensive High School, and you, man, we had so much fun in that school. Um, we had a lot of problems too. Uh, not really problems, but um, you Just know, I'll get into kids. kids being kids, and, and I'll get into it a little bit. But so yeah, we were in grade twelve. You went there in grade eleven as well too. But uh, I was there in grade twelve with you, and uh, we spent a lot of our time uh, in the learning center. Um, because we were taking correspondence classes from our, our school in BC. And yeah. So yeah, it was, it was yeah. our only opportunity to, to go home and graduate at home was we had to take online classes and, and obviously uh, the team knew we were absolute buffoons. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, uh, Miss Martin, Miss, Miss Martin, I, I believe it's Tracy, Tracy Martin yep. uh, was an absolute saint. This woman dealt with us. Yeah you know, they, they shouldn't have even had us in the same building and, and this sweetheart <laughs> let us sit beside each other. They um, actually I gave mean, us our own classroom. One, one, I mean, I mean, we probably had one paper, one pen and one brain between the two of us. But, uh, <laughs> somehow we, we graduated on time and she, she dealt with us. And, you know, I, even still to this day, like I've got her on Twitter and stuff and I thank her and, and, uh, oh, that's great. That's awesome. To, yeah, to she was. She was, she was pretty great. And there's a couple stories about that, but we also took drama class together with Miss Selvig. So listen, you told the story about me losing my teeth. So anyways, um, 
I had my fake teeth and Hanky used to play jokes on me because I used to take him out to eat all the time. And he would hide them from me for like days on end, like days on end. Yeah, stick Couple them times, stick him in my pocket or whatever. Yeah, he'd take them, whatever. He'd be like, I don't know where they are. He, one time, you guys broke them, and the team had to get me new ones just to just to <laughs> fuck with me. And and listen, so like the one day we had a drama, like a drama, pr- like a presentation, like in front of the class or something. Like oh, we already don't even want to be doing it because like most of the kids in the school really didn't like us, except for the girls, right? And uh, so girls. like. But okay, listen, the the girls all liked us. We had a great relationship. So why would the local guys like us? Yeah, we, no, we I, underst- coffee, I, un- we I understand. I understand that. I understand that, and I can see that now, right? But like, so we were in drama, and like we had this presentation, and you come, you used to pick me up every single morning in your little Ford Ranger, the white Dingman, and I'll get into Dingman in a minute. Um, but. Uh, this little Ford Ranger and you pick me up every morning while this morning for the presentation, I forgot to put my fucking teeth in and I begged you and begged you to turn around, turn, please, man, come on, turn around. No, you laugh so fucking hard. And you're like, no, you're going up in front of everybody with no teeth. And oh my God, it was fucking brutal, man. But you just laughed the whole time and you were in a different group than me too. So you're in the fucking thing, watching me up there laughing and oh my God. It was horrible, man. It was fucking funny. But um, yeah, but uh, so anyways, Dingman. So there's a hockey player named Chris Dingman. And I want to go on the record right now. And this started in Swift Current. And I'm telling you right now that it has traveled all around the Western League. There's kids in my hometown in Port Coquillum. I went back like when I was like 23. There was like, this was like years later. People were calling chewing tobacco Dingman because uh, it was like me, you, Ryan Saka. Uh, Travis Breezebois, maybe, but uh, Chris Dingman, this player, he won Stanley Cup in Tampa Bay. Hang, I'm trying to get this guy on the podcast and tell him the story about this because he always would have a big chew in his mouth whenever he would do interviews. So we started calling chewing tobacco Dingman, like here, throwing a dinger, throwing a Dingman. Your car was a white Dingman, you know what I mean? Everything was Dingman. And it traveled. It wasn't just our team. It was every team. And I'm really trying to get Chris Dingman on the podcast. It's not trying to advocate for chewing tobacco in junior hockey. But let's be honest. We had a chew in our mouth 24 hours a day. We used to fall asleep within our mouth on the bus. Yeah, just, you know, uh, just typical kid stuff. We were, we were away from home. We thought it was cool. and, and I mean, Sure did. It certainly wasn't cool, we're though. We were on the bus for, for hours on end and kind of gave us something to do. But, uh, yeah, just... Your your typical kids being kids stuff. Yep, absolutely. And uh, so I don't know. There's a couple other stories. Like so, yeah. Well, you said Mrs. Martin. There's one story that really sticks out in in my mind, and that's uh, the one where you snapped on her for for basically no reason. Well, actually, it wasn't no reason. I if I remember correctly, she she said something along the lines: "You think you guys can do whatever because you guys are hockey players." Da da da. She had enough of our. But shit we did. But the, we, but she was right though. Let's let's clear the air. Yeah, she was right. She was. We did think we she could was do right. We but but we stood it's, up and we walked we out the class. We. So yeah, we no, we protested well, and got walked out the class. Well, go ahead. Yeah, so so she she you know, she lays it out there for us. She was one hundred percent truthful. Uh, you know, <laughs> say we're in that classroom for two hundred days, she let us get away with murder for one hundred and ninety nine days, and it was the one day she says something. Uh, I tell her that uh, you know whatever, 
say, you know, I'm not, you know, going to listen to that or, you know, whatever. I don't have to hear this or blah, blah, blah. And, and, uh, you know, pretend to be mad or, and she says, fine. And then, and then I walk out of the class and then all of a sudden I hear this chair being moved on the floor and you stand up and, you know, I can tell you had not a sniff of what's going on. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What he said. And then, and then you come storming out of, the, out of the room behind me. Yeah, and we got in shit from we're Dave just, Hunchak. Who... We're just lucky. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I was going to say, like, she was uh, an angel. And, um, you know, uh, Hunch, you know, at the time, um, you know, I wasn't the, the world's biggest fan of his. But but looking back, you know, there was a lot of things, man, that, that uh, you know, and, and I've been in his role. There's a lot of things he kept from Dino that you and I would have been absolutely toasted for. Oh um, yeah, and, absolutely. You know, you know, like he can, he can, you know, like in his contract, like that's, uh, you know, insubordination, like that's, he, that's a fireable offense uh, for a coach yeah. to keep information from the head coach. Um, yeah. So, you know, he, he, you know, put his own butt on the line a couple of times and, and, and I think, trouble, but, and, uh, and I think, and I think a, a lot of coaches do that for, for their players and, and give them some leeway in well, certain listen, situations. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, if they're a young player, um, you know, you, you know, kids in a normal situation, normal household living at home, you think about the mistakes, you know, they make from, from 15 to, to 20, um, you know, and then, you know, you throw into the mix of what we had on the line, um, you know, how much pressure and, and what we were doing on a daily basis and, and, you know, being away from home and just kind of having to grow up and, you know, while you're, you know, you're trying to, to balance, um, you know, playing in, in the best development league in the world, uh, trying to trying to handle, um, you know, some sort of attention through hockey and trying to make the NHL and girls and learning how to drive and school. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're bound to, you're bound to, to make your fair share of mistakes. And, and, but at the same time, you know, so should you, uh, how else do you learn? So. Yeah. Um, oh, we had, a, we had a lot of fun doing it though. That's for sure. We had a, so much fun doing it. And, um, there was one other incident and, uh, in, in high school that I, I want to really clear up and, and go in there. I'm actually going to have Gary Joyce on to talk about, he's a sports writer. I'm glad, and, I'm, glad I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought this up. I yeah, was going to bring it so, up on my own. So you and I were walking down the hallway one time and there was this couple guys there in their checkered shirts and their Well, you got to tell, you got to tell the, the, the back, the backstory about, you know, Go the ahead. you get from your girlfriend. Okay. Yes. So we're hanging out at, at Brady's billet house, the bog, um, you know, the, at his billet house there and, and, you know, nice people and whatever. And so Brady gets a, a parcel and it's from his girlfriend and, you know, Hey, it's your buddy and we're a million miles from home and, you know, your buddy gets a, a package from his girlfriend. Like the first thing you want to do is mess with him somehow, you know, because you know how happy he is to get it. Um, you know, you want to find a way. So I don't know if it was your birthday or whatever the case may be, but long story short, you know, you pull out this, this cream colored winter coat with fur on the hood and uh, unbelievable coat. Like, you know, like at the time, like, you know, it was probably a three or $400 jacket in in 2003 or whatever. And, um, really nice coat. Um, but like, if you're asking if you wear that thing in Swift Current, Saskatchewan, like you're fucking asking for it. Like, if you wear that downtown Vancouver with, you wear that downtown Vancouver with skinny jeans and pointy shoes on. 
<laughs> you do not wear this cone in Swimker in Saskatchewan. Um, but, uh, you know, irrelevant. Uh, you get it from your girl and you're pumped about it. It means a lot to you. Um, so you and I open up the parcel. You put on the coat. I'm sure I make fun of you a few times. And, and then the next morning uh, I pick you up from school. I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, so we get to school and we're walking. Man, we didn't even make it to the first class. I think we were like fucking two minutes in the door. <laughs> and there's three guys, three or four guys. Guys that died. Yeah, big farm boys. Big farm boys. They got their checkered shirts on. They got their cowboy boots on, belt buckles, whatever, right? And that's cool. I can respect their farming, whatever. But here Pol- we are. Polar deck- opposite of us. Yeah, polar opposite of us. And these, these guys throw out a comment, snazzy jacket, Bronco. And I turn around and I just fucking lose my mind. Hey, you start losing your mind. But at the same time, we couldn't do anything. Like if we fought them, we're done. Like we're kicked off the team right there for sure. Well, if if there's only one high school to go to uh, and you cannot play in the Western Hockey League, if you're eligible for high school and not enrolled in high school, you cannot play in the league. Uh, So if we got kicked out of school, we got kicked off of, you know, basically our our dreams and, and, you know, working towards those. Yeah, it took everything in my power not to deck this guy. But like, anyways, so then fast forward a couple years later, uh, this article comes out when I'm 19 and I share this story and fuck did the town of Swift Current ever blow up, man? Like made it seem like I made it sound like the town, the people of Swift Current are horrible and this and that. And that wasn't the case. And I went back and I read the article and the way that it's. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, the way that Gary wrote it, it's not even, he didn't even write it in that manner. It's just the fact that, like, you know, it's the truth, really, though. And and again, it goes back to these guys. They didn't like it because the girls liked this. And that was all it is. Everybody else in the town outside of the school were great. Like, uh, I loved Swift Current. And I'll tell you what, their water, I, I'll, the water in the water bottles in the rink, for whatever reason, tastes so good. Kind of tastes like dirt in a way, but it tastes so good. And they have the best ice best ice i've ever skated on ever period yeah so i'm glad you brought it up i had read uh i saw you shared that article um you know within the last month and i had read it um and i actually wanted to bring it up so you know on a couple different fronts so you know the article uh you know the author he he does a great job the reporter great job on the article um tells a great uh, story you know regarding um obviously the the uh bus crash um you know the the four guys that passed away numbers eight nine uh eleven and twenty two um you know it's it's a big part of their history and you know he he goes into how swift does such a great job honoring it and um you know in in about five or six or it may have even been seven different paragraphs um you know just different ways on on how the community does a great job of uh insulating the team uh, it being a small market one of the smallest in the CHL uh, as well, just the, the support and, and the community and, and the whole nine yards. And, you know, when, when you Brady, you say how, how much you enjoyed it, you know, those are all the things that we enjoyed. We enjoyed the people, we enjoyed the, the, the town and, and the history and, and all that. Um, the reason why I think you guys got a, a tough time for that is, you know, there's six great paragraphs of the town and then, there's one kind of jammed in the middle there where the, you know, the gentleman doing the interview interviews a kid. Uh, you chose to share a story 
I'm sure, you know, uh, you're a kid, so you don't understand at that time. So I'm sure you shared five or six stories and, and, and talked, you know, talked his ear off. But in an article where he shared so many great stories and then the one, I'll call it a black eye on, on that entire thing was you telling that snazzy jet, like that story doesn't reflect the town of Swift Current or the people that, that, that story reflects high school kids being in a competition for the same girls. Yeah, that's so right. Whether that was in Abbotsford, British Columbia, or it was in Zimbabwe, or it's in Swift Current, Moose Jaw, it's in Winnipeg, like those same things happen. Those are farm boys. We're city kids. We're wanting to have hang out and party with the same girls. So it's just teenagers being teenagers. And obviously, you know, I was reading it and kind of thinking about it from the coaching standpoint. And I'll tell you what, as a coach, um, if that was one of my players that, that, you know, wrote that, like I'd bring him in and kind of explain, you know, this side to him and, you know, why maybe next time, like, I understand, you know, you're just telling a story. There's nothing wrong with that. The guy's asking for stories. He's asking for stuff and you're a kid. So you're just, you're just chatting, you know, you don't seem, but, but the way it was, you know, the way it was done and, and not that he put words in your mouth or whatever, but, you know, I'm sure there was three other stories that, that would have been wonderful uh, that he shared or you could, uh, you know, he could have written uh, that you shared, you know, uh, like your, your, your billets, Dan and Mary Beth. Oh yeah. They're great. Um, I know, was just going to say sure that. that. Okay. That, that's my point. So I'm sure there was a story he could have wrote in there, but he chose to write that story. And I love the story though. I love the story. Yeah, no, no, and the, honestly, the, the, the story, but the, I'll tell you co- what, and I'll co- tell from you the coaching side from the Go coaching ahead. side. If that was one of my players, I would, you know, nicely explain the situation to him. And I would make sure that uh, the gentleman who did that interview never had the opportunity to speak to any of my players ever again. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you because why he's, I, he's an adult and you're, and you're a kid. I'll tell you why though. I'll tell you what though. I'm in that situation. I knew what I was doing and uh, I just, I'm, if you know me, I'm very uh, forthcoming about stuff. Uh, even Regan Bartel and like after my year in Kelowna, he said that at the end of the year, he did like top three interviews or something. Fuck, I was ahead of Mark Messier on his list or something like that of the year. You know what I mean? Like, just because I'm very forthcoming. So like, I knew like, I like even looking back on it, I'm like, I don't think Garrett took advantage of me at all. I think I, I love the fact that he used it. Like you have your opinion. I have mine. Uh, I love the fact that he used it because he's just telling an honest story. And, and it does. It gives you an idea of, of the other side of what, we also had to go through because it wasn't like a one-off thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like we got cold shouldered in high school quite a bit, but at the same time, we also got a lot of love and support from the fans and the community and everything else. But at the same time, there was that little troublesome. And I think it's important to see all of the, all of the sides to, to the story. But um, yeah, there was one other incident. Like we talked about, we had so many car accidents in Swift current, but um, near the end of the year, I think uh, about, February or something, we were in a practice in Swift Current and we were doing one-on-ones and Michael Zacker uh, from Texas uh, came down on a one-on-one from you and, and you had poke checked him or something and he did a flip. And I remember you skating off the bench, holding your neck or skating to the bench, holding your neck and like you drop your gloves, your stick and you're skating to the bench and I'm like, oh, you're a fucking pussy hangy or something. Like no, just that, chirping that, you. That, that, no, that, that was... That was that was Dean Chanel. Dino? Oh, well, maybe it was Dino that called you a pussy. Because I could I could feel feel a warm sensation down my neck and, yeah. and cold air. It was it was absolutely bizarre. 
Uh, and then I'd put my, you know, we had those blue and white CCM gloves. I put my glove up huh. to my neck and down and then like the entire glove was dark red. And I was like, what the fuck? So <laughs> I, like you said, I, I, I'm holding my neck. I'm skating to the bench and uh, Dino goes, Hangy, he goes, where the fuck are you going? And then oh, I take right. my glove off my neck and, and then the, the look on his face, I knew I was in trouble. And uh, yeah, yeah, that was... It was bad. How many stitches or staples did you have across your neck? And it was like, what, like a millimeter from your jug, eh? Yeah, one millimeter from the jugular. It was 50, uh, 58 stitches. I remember fucking with you after because you couldn't, I had to drive for you and you couldn't turn your neck. So I'd call you all the time and you'd have to turn your shoulders to look at me. <laughs> Just to fuck with yeah, you. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah, a little payback for the, for the, for the teeth. <laughs> yeah, I had to get you somewhere, but um, yeah. So, anyways, then the following season, uh, we both went back to Swift Current as an eighteen as eighteen year olds, um, and I moved into Dan and Mary Beth's house, and you moved in next door. We were literally now neighbors, and we couldn't have been in a better setup. Um, we were best friends, literally next door, not two houses, three houses. Do you remember I'm talking the, cord the cordless phones after curfew. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I have no yeah. idea how, how, why they thought that was a good idea to put us next door to each other. Well, I, mean, I don't know, but some sort of setup. Right. But uh, seven games into the season, um, I made a decision that was like, it really, it altered the course of my life. The way I look back at it is, is it really changed everything. And, uh, so seven games into the season, I fucking, out of nowhere, um, my girl back home, uh broke up with me i don't want to get into that whatever and i this is my high school sweetheart and uh anyways i was going fucking ballistic uh i wanted i was just losing my mind i couldn't focus on hockey i didn't care i didn't give a shit about hockey i didn't like you know what i mean my priority was her which was a big mistake but i couldn't help it i, I don't know maybe i needed to talk to somebody but i remember packing up all my shit near i remember if you want to tell a story like take it away like what happened or what you remember from it yeah, I mean, uh, obviously we we're we were you know best buds at uh, you know so I was going to help you pack and and whatever else, but you know I remember pleading with you and being like, listen, man, trust me, like this is a mistake. You know, obviously, you know, I've listened to all the episodes and and in nowhere does you know Brady talk about how good of a player he was, but uh, you know at that time at eighteen, um, you know uh, whether you're on his team or not you knew he had an opportunity to play in the national hockey league um, and playing. That's why you play in the WHL um, as young kids. That's, that's the sole reason, or, or at least for us, it was. Um, so, you know, knowing, you know, growing up and, and seeing how he developed and then, you know, now playing in the Western hockey league with him um, and knowing, you know, in, in my heart that he legitimately, you know, there was absolutely no reason in the world why he couldn't, um, you know, there's three or four guys on every team, with NHL contracts um, and none of them were any better. They were just older um, and more developed. So um, yeah, I remember helping you pack and, and, you know, pleading with you, begging you not to go. And, you know, um, and then I remember when you were driving away, do you had a Ford, uh, what was that little truck you had a Ford Ranger older one? Yeah. What was, yeah. What was that truck you had with the canopy on it? Yeah. I remember. And yeah. uh, um, I remember, you know, begging you not to go and telling you what a mistake it was going to be. And, um, and then you're driving down the alley and I remember just, I remember it too. Just like, I'm just like, fuck, I cannot believe he actually did it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, and, no, and, yeah. And, you know, it's, uh, 
it's uh, something that, uh, you know, it's hard to see when, when you're that person, obviously. Um, but, you know, like my opinion on, on you and, and your opportunity to play in the National League, like they, that's not just me, you know, blowing smoker, just saying that, uh, you know, if you would have asked any of the Medicine Hat Tiger guys who we played, it seemed like every weekend, um, you know, they, they would all said said the same t- uh, same thing at that time. Uh, I appreciate that. But I think uh, for for me, I just I could never get my head wrapped around. I dealt with uh, depression and mental health and suicidal thoughts. And I, you know, I had a, got a little bit of help. But uh, I at the same time, I wasn't uh, comfortable with being completely honest because I thought I would be judged by the coach. Being a minor, I thought telling the psychologist, they would have to tell the coach and I'd be looked at differently. And I want to talk to you about that later because you've been a coach. Um, but yeah, leaving then was was a, a huge mistake. Um, so I went home and I, I started skating. I didn't get back together with the girl, by the way. Um, and I I started skating with my junior B team. I signed with the Burnaby Express, now the Coquitlam Express. Um, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, I played online with Kyle Turris. I had nine points in my first three games, but then I started to uh, party. And I remember I calling you and telling you that I was doing a lot of ecstasy and uh I remember I did my first line of Coke, like New Year's Eve of 2006. And like for us, like before this, like drugs are like not even in our I'd, vocabulary. I'd never, I had not never, even. No, no, I had never seen, you know, like we like, you know, you touched on the chewing tobacco thing. And, um, you know, uh, you know, for example, you know, say, you know, you did whatever you, you did when you when you uh, got home, like. I'm talking, we'd have a team party and what would we have? Like four beers. And yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, chew like half a tin of chew and have like four beers. Like, you know, at, at that time, um, you know, like substances weren't, no, um, I had never, you know, and and I grew up in Surrey and and like, I had never seen um, any of that stuff. I had never come across it. I'd never associated with anyone. Um, You know, I I remember you, you phoning me and and telling me that and, and told me that you scored a hat trick. And I'm just like, well, like first off, yeah. you know, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, at that time, you could have scored a hat trick in your sleep in that league. But uh, yeah, it uh, definitely is something I'll remember you telling me for sure. Yeah, I no, honest to God, and and I don't. I'm just see the whole premise for my podcast is I want to talk hockey and whatever, but I want to share my story and I want to be honest. And so, like when I went playing with Burnaby, like I had this game. Yeah, I t- told this story where I slept through slept through the game or whatever, and all that, and the coaches came. But it's really when I started doing a lot of ecstasy, and um, yeah, I called you, and, and then I ended up quitting the team, and they went on to win the RBC and whatever, and. Um, it was crazy, but I remember doing coke in between the in between the periods in the dressing room, uh, playing in the BC Hockey League, and then you know getting like five points or something that game, like you said, and uh, you know it was just a, a horrible experience. But uh, Dean Chanel took me back as a nineteen year old. I, I touched on that, but uh, after I left Swift Current, you got traded, uh, and then you kind of went on this crazy journey through the Western Hockey League, and and you got traded a bunch of times, and. Um, who cares about that? Um, but when you were 20, um, I went to Kelowna. I got traded after the, the pregnancies and all that. Um, but you decided to leave the Western Hockey League uh, and go to the BC Hockey League to just probably the best tier two franchise there is in Penticton, right? Um, and you became yeah. their captain. Yeah. And you captained them to a Doyle Cup championship. I've never actually asked you, uh, what that was like, because I mean, I know you won the junior B championship, 
Um, but you were again, 15, you were the captain of the team. Like walk me through that experience. Like that must've like, been uh, fucking the, awesome. Like, you know, the one thing I'll say, um, and obviously, you know, you would have understood, um, in Kelowna, um, you know, there, and, you know, I'm sure it'd be the same in Florida or California in the national hockey league. There's nothing like playoff hockey in Penticton, you know, uh, you go to the pregame skate. You know, uh, you you drive by the you drive by the beach. There's chicks in bikinis. You, you know, you you go you go for breakfast, um, and then and then you show up and and uh, have an opportunity to win a championship um, every night um, in the playoffs. That uh, you know that whole experience in Penticton. That that was why I went. Um, I was in Edmonton. They were playing me back and forth between forward and defense. Um, they were they were great. Everyone in Edmonton was great. The whole situation was awesome. Um, but I was 20 and, and, you know, I had already made my bed, uh, at that point. Um, and I knew where things were headed. Um, I've always been like that. Um, and I wanted to win. I wanted to play 20 or 30 minutes a night and I wanted to win. So I had phoned the top team in the BC division, which was Nanaimo with Billy Bestwick as the coach. Uh, and then I had phoned Penticton who was first place in the interior. Uh, and Fred Harbinson, uh, who ended up being my future boss, um, was the head coach. And uh, ultimately, uh, I had to drive through Penticton um, from Edmonton uh, to get home. Now, my parents weren't even home. They were on vacation. And uh, 24 hours later, uh, I had phoned my parents and told them I was playing the rest of the season in Penticton. They were on vacation and were absolutely horrified. And, uh, yeah, the rest is history. Yeah, and so you guys, you guys won it all, and... I mean, I, I remember seeing pictures and, and like, so that was obviously a great decision because you won the championship and, and you ended up going and pursuing your, your pro career overseas in Europe. You played uh, for the Fishtown Penguins and, and a couple other teams over there. And, and then ultimately you decided to, to pursue coaching. But before I get into that, um, you played a couple years over in Germany. So you had to forfeit your scholarship from the WHL, correct? Correct. What do you think about that? Yeah. So, um, you know, I had played my first year pro. I had my German passport, I had dual citizenship, and, and that's how, uh, why I, I chose to go to Germany. Um, you know, I played my first year. I, I knew uh, I was, I had full knowledge of the situation that I could play the first year and then I'd have to make a decision. So um, I had a great year my first year. Uh, was eligible for a new contract and a nice raise. Uh, so it was a no-brainer situation. So I went for my second year knowing uh, what was on the line. Um, and, and again, I had made my choice. Um, do I think that those players does, uh, you know, deserve, you know, whether it's five or 10 years or, you know, whatever, uh, whatever the, the number um, people you know, the, the players feel is appropriate to, to be eligible for that scholarship and to keep it. Um, do I think so? Yes, absolutely. 100%. But at the same time, I knew what was on the line and I made that choice. So now that I made that choice, you can't cry over it and whether it's right or wrong. And as I already stated, I don't agree with it, with the timeframe, but I knew what was on the table and on the line and I chose so you have to live with your decisions. Um, so as far as that goes for me personally, um, 
no regrets, no complaints, no nothing. I made the choice. I knew what was on the line. End of story. For yeah, kids I... and for kids and for the future, absolutely. Those kids earned that. You know, the, the 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 parents for what they've sacrificed to get that player to that situation and for that team to to sell tickets and make money off that kid. Um, that player uh, deserves it. And you know what? Uh, even if you want to say that it's eligible for the player for, for three years and for a sibling for five, however they want to structure it, um, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, but but there, there definitely should be, um, you know, some, some sort of creative uh, situation where, where everyone, everyone can win. And, and ultimately, um, you know, it, it's just helping society. It's helping, you know, kids and, and, and former uh, hockey players move on and, and um, you know, um, just make something of, of themselves and, and kind of be rewarded for, for what they gave uh, to the league and, and, and uh, the revenue they, they generated and, and help help generate for their team. Well, because it's a big commitment and we're just kids, right? So uh, another yeah, thing exactly. too, uh, another thing too is there's another uh, class action lawsuit uh, for minimum wage because they weren't paying us minimum wage. And again, I understand it, whatever, they're paying for the billets, they pay for your equipment. Uh, at that time, Hangy, I was just happy to be in the WHL. I had the track suit at home thinking I'm pretty cool, whatever. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, wasn't really care about making 85 bucks every two weeks or whatever. And then 90 bucks every two weeks or whatever it is. But now looking back at it, it's not like I'm like, oh, you should have to pay me for my time, but maybe don't pay us at all. So, and then we can still go get an NCAA scholarship from major junior or I don't know what the answer is. I have no idea, but something has to be, there's got to be some give there in my opinion and, and something that I'm really going to advocate for because it just, it makes no sense to me that we work our whole lives towards, towards uh, the goal of playing in the NHL. And then yes, we, you knew what decision you had to make, but you, you only had to make that decision because of what, uh, what, you know, what's in place and what the circumstances are and what the guidelines are and the stipulations of, of the scholarship. No, 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 no question. And, and you know what, um, you know, this is another thing. It's, it's not unlike anything else in the world. Um, you used to be able to call people certain things on the ice. Well, nowadays you get in some serious trouble and you should never call players or anyone on planet earth those names because it's not right but yep. it's an evolution things evolve things change things get better okay uh, th this situation i see is the exact same um you know uh, should it change and and is there room for change? i shouldn't say should it change because i'm not a judge and i'm not the you know i'm not the judge or the jury is there room for it to possibly um benefit the players more or maybe be structured in a way that could be more beneficial yes of course absolutely but there's also the other side of the coin and i you know it's all a matter of perspective a lot of kids are you know raised in you know where there's a lot of white and there's a lot of you know there's a lot of gray gray areas i was raised one way and it's black and it's white you don't like it okay go fucking do something else then <laughs> the, is the, the 80 bucks it's not enough okay go go play go play for the whoever Go play a merit then. Go ahead. You know, they'll call they'll call up some farm boy in Swift Current, you know, they'll call up some kid and he'll take, you know, your spot so fast that your head'll spin. And, you know, you'll be our age and, and you'll regret that that you quit 
uh, an opportunity to make the NHL over eighty five dollars a week. Yeah, I don't think anybody's actually. I don't think anybody's even thinking about that. And uh, at at that time, right? But my point, okay, that's what I mean. So then now, don't you can't complain? No, and I, you you know what I mean. You did it. You were there. You enjoyed the experience, and you gave your chance yourself a chance to play. So if you had made the NHL, you know, say you know, Johnny Walker, uh, say he makes the NHL. Is he going to be a part of this class action lawsuit about how he should be compensated financially um, uh, for being below minimum wage while in in his time in the Western Hockey League? Absolutely not. not. <laughs> of course not. So so that's where for me, um, you know, again, it's all a matter of perspective. Everyone, you know, everyone, uh, it's different for everyone. Um, but all I'm saying is 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 if you ended up being Ryan Getzlaff, uh, you know you wouldn't even know what a WHL class action lawsuit is. So now that you didn't make it and now you're crying wolf when you signed up and agreed and had the time of your life while you were there, um, I have to admit personally, I have a bit of a tough time for it. I I tend to agree with you on that one, Hangy. And, uh, um, you know, I just, I like to hear both sides of it and, and to really just to, to get the information on both sides of it. But, but I agree with you 100%. Uh, it's a very, again, to, for me too, it's always been black and white. I think just hearing about it and just researching it, it just sort of has made me think again, I, I, I would never, uh, want to be the one to attack the CHL or anything like that, because again, I look at it as it was such a great opportunity and you and I both know it. Everyone knows it. And fuck man, like people would give their right arm to just to have the opportunity that we had playing in the Western hockey league. And like, man, like it really went by fast, but like, it's the greatest time of my life. And like, you know, I would, I'll I'll tell you, you know, I'll touch on it quick and just kind of add to that. Like, you know, coaching uh, and Prince George, um, you know, we were on the road a lot, obviously, with our schedule. I ate more at the keg in two years with Prince George than I had in my entire life. So, yeah. and and I had a great upbringing. And, you know, we went to the keg on birthdays and stuff. Um, like, I'm telling you, I ate at the keg more in two hockey seasons in the Western Hockey League than I had in my entire life. So, I think you just have to be careful as far as what you know, with this class action lawsuit stuff and, and what the actual reason um, why these guys are, are doing it. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree with you 100%. And um, if, it, if it's just to bring some uh, change in the games, whether it's one fight and out or whatever. Again, I like the fighting in the game. I don't like the results of the concussions again. But uh, again, I tend to agree with you on everything that you said. Um so what was the cha- like? I remember like so I was coaching in the summertime, um, uh, at this place called Puck Masters at the time. You came to do one day coaching with me. You didn't really know what you were doing, and then all of a sudden you were gone uh, to Penticton, and uh, you took a job with them, uh, with the assistant as an assistant coach. Um, in 2012, you guys were arguably you guys set the the record for North America, most consecutive wins. Um, phenomenal record. Like it's just unbelievable. You guys had 46 wins in a row or something like that. Hangy wasn't it? 40, 42, 42, 42, 42 wins in a, row. In, a, in a, in a 60 game schedule. That's right. And um, yeah. And you guys, you guys actually won 74 out of 86 
games like total like going through the the doyle cup whatever the rbc everything the playoffs all that shit you guys yeah, yeah we're right. 74 for 86 um and you guys actually came back from behind in all of those games uh in the rbc uh i don't know if you remember that but you guys scored i think with 50 51 seconds to go or something to win um and it was in humboldt eh um what was that experience like uh, the town of humboldt obviously it's a horrible tragedy but uh what was that experience like in humboldt as a coach now not as a player um just that experience because i have so much interest interest in coaching uh, i understand it's a lot of work and a lot more to it but um i feel like that's a passion that's calling me so i really want to hear hear your experience of it and just tell me what that was like and just being in humboldt yeah so you know it starts back when um you know my very first year in penticton when um you know i had a few contract offers to go back to germany um and it was in the summertime i wasn't sure what i wanted to do yet um and my dad uh, was actually gonna go scout a player by the name of troy stetcher um, and fred harbinson was was in town um, and they're gonna go watch this kid play this defenseman so my dad my daddy goes hey he goes why don't why don't you come and watch this kid um and so you know and he's a portland draft pick and, and all this and so we go and watch him and and you know he's a great player and can move and you know real similar to it to a duncan keith style and um you know fred had mentioned to me you know we took this kid and his father out for for supper pete and uh fred had mentioned that uh the assistant coach was was quitting and was unhappy and you know i should put some thought into coaching um well here i am with you know i think it was three or four good offers to to go back to germany um and I think they were all uh, all a pay raise, and uh, yeah, it, it was fun. Um, it was funny, I should say. I had, you know, I had thought about it for that week, and and you know, my dad and I thought it would be a great opportunity. My dad was I had scout in Penticton at the time, um, and uh, you know, like I'm, I've never been shy to make a decision, or, or you know, if it's something I want to do, then I do it, and I live with live with the um, outcome, and. Um, can't you know you can't complain if if you know what's at stake and you make that decision and uh so i went to penticton and and just kind of understanding the recruiting process and going through it that summer um you know th there's a lot of pressure to recruit um all those players so fast forward to the next summer uh before we won the rbc cup um you know we start getting you know little snippets of of all these kids that are that are either nhl picks or potential NHL picks um, and they've all got, you know, four ride NCAA scholarships. And like, these are, I'm talking like 17, 18 year old kids um, with, you know, $200,000 US scholarships guaranteed. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's, it seemed like every weekend we're getting an all-star uh, that summer. And then we ended up making a couple trades um, and bringing in kids like Travis St. Dennis and, and, you know, a few other veterans. And, and all of a sudden we know it's July and like, I, I, I'm not kidding. Our top nine forwards and our top five defensemen uh, could have made up the all-star team in that league that year. Um, huh. And, you know, like it, it, it uh, wasn't, you know, just, we just hit absolutely hit, uh, hit a few of those recruiting visits out of the ballpark and, 
And obviously, you know, uh, for those, if any of one listening doesn't know who Fred Harbinson is, um, look him up online. And, and, you know, this guy is an absolute junior hockey. I mean, uh, this guy would give the hunters in London in the OHL a run for their money. And I mean that wholeheartedly. Um, you know, his brain for the game, the way he treats people, um, the way he's able to recruit um, is, is absolutely unbelievable. Everything I've learned um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've told him this before, like a lot of the stuff that shaped me, um, as a man today is, is, you know, a mix of my dad and, and Fred, um, um, just as, as far as discipline, um, and, um, you know, being diligent and the way you treat people and how hard you work and, and you don't have to want to do it and, you know, whatever the case may be, but you understand why you're doing it. Um, and so, you know, uh, we had recruited a great team. Uh, acquired the best goalie in the league in Mar- Michael Garteg. And uh, yeah, we had uh, had a magical run. Um, we had won uh, the last, uh, you know, there's 43 games left in this regular season. Uh, we had won 42. Uh, and then we, we had sat out uh, all of our best players in the last game of the league, uh, last game of the year in the regular season. Uh, because we were worried as a coaching staff and, you know, it can go either way and you can think and overthink it as a coach. Um, we were worried that if we lost a game in the playoffs, that our guys would, would, would fold and, and that it would be a, a big letdown. So we yeah. broke the streak for, we broke the streak for them. Um, wow. And we thought as a coaching staff, um, we would rather have the players be mad at us and ask us for forgiveness. We would rather have that situation than them, than them having their hearts broken in a playoff game. Um, and, uh, and trying to have to have to, you know, uh, put, put the, put the army back together in the middle of the playoffs. So um, yeah, obviously uh, the, the playoffs um, were, were unbelievable. Um, and then, you know, uh, going to the Doyle cup and playing against the Brooks bandits, which is, is another prestigious program. And um, you know, all these teams were unbelievable and we, absolutely spanked all of them um you know the, the team we had was the characters absolutely unbelievable um I, you know i think there's 15 guys from that team still playing pro uh, a couple of them wow. in the nhl mikey riley and, and troy stetcher and um you know a lot of guys won ncaa titles and, and stuff like that and um you know and and then just being in humboldt and, and that experience of winning the national championship on tsn um you know is, is something special and then obviously uh, that was my second time with Penticton winning a championship once as a player and then as a coach. And, and then, you know, you've got my dad on the ice celebrating with me on TSN and, you know, there's just so many um, different little, little small storylines that, you know, uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting seven of them that, uh, you know, just made that, that season so special. Um, and obviously something I'll never forget. And, um, you know, with, with, you know, my relationship with my dad and, and us having a champ, you know, matching championship rings, um, you know, is, is obviously something that, uh, that I'll value forever. Oh, that's totally cool. Uh, um, yeah, Tommy must be super proud of that. And, um, you know, I know your dad fairly well and I haven't spoken to your, I know your mom very, very well too. I haven't spoken to them in a few years, but, uh, shout out to them for sure. I, I know the last time I saw your dad, I think your dad, uh, you and my dad and myself, we went, uh, golfing out in Langley. That was the last time I saw your dad, uh, Lots of fun, but what? Why? Why was the decision to leave Penticton? Because you left, um, you know, the best 
BC Hockey League team organization, um, probably the best tier two organization in all of Canada um, to go to the Western Hockey League uh, and to the Prince George Cougars. Uh, and you took an assistant job with them. Why did you make the move? Uh, do you regret making the move? Uh, and what was the experience like? Yeah, so the, the situation in uh, in Prince George was, um, you know, they were they were a rebuilding team. Um, they had uh, uh, they had switched over ownership. Um, you know, they had ex NHLers Dan Hamhuis and, and Eric Brewer in, in the ownership group, and um, you know, I was uh, presented with a, a three year uh, guaranteed contract. Uh, you know, which which in in hockey doesn't doesn't happen often, and um, you know, it's it's the same thing. Like you know, when you were a kid, did you want to play? Um, you know, uh, did you want to play in the BCHL or, or the Western Hockey League? Of course, the dub, right? Yeah. So you know, it's the same thing, um, and it's no slight against anyone or anything. But the, the simple fact was, you know, Penticton was an anomaly. Uh, if Penticton was in the USHL or in the WHL, I would have never left. I would have waited, even if it was fifteen years, for Fred to move on. Uh, which he could have moved on every single year. He had unbelievable offers, um, but just goes to show the program Penticton was. You know, if Penticton was in, in the USHL or the WHL, uh, I probably would have never left. I just would have waited my time um, and and uh, took over that program. But, um, you know, Mark Hollick, uh, who had just come off of a, a three-year contract with the Anaheim Ducks, um, was the head coach there, and, and he brought me on personally. Um, and uh, just the, the situation... Um, you know, just the opportunity when, when you sit there and, you know, you're looking at a, at that kind of contract. Like we had, uh, I went up there and, and had training camp and then we went to a preseason tournament. And I think it was the first preseason game. Um, we're tied. I think it was two, two with, with red deer. And uh, you know, I'm drawing up the defensive zone, you know, plan of attack and, and execution. And I look over to the right and there's Brent Sutter and he's drawing up the offensive huh. um, plan. And, you know, I was only 25 at the time. So I was the youngest coach in that league. And, you know, like you, you can't get that in, in, you know, any other, any other league other than, other than the Western league. And it's what, what makes it special. Um, and it's the, you know, it's the aura around it. And it's, it's the reason why guys take jobs and, and go and play in the league. Um, so, uh, yeah. And obviously with it being a three-year contract too, it was, it was a, a little bit of the stability and, and a chance for us to, to make our mark um, on, on the organization. For sure. So you, you know, you were in Penticton, uh, assistant coach there for four years and you were in, you were in PG for two seasons and um, you haven't been coaching the last four years. Uh, um, as far as a team standpoint, it's up to my knowledge, uh, not in the junior level. Um, are you missing it? I know you got married. Uh, you married a girl named Brittany and um, you and I, you and I actually both met Brittany at the same time in Swift Current because uh, she had a friend uh, that was dating a guy named Kyle Bordis on our team, and she would come down with this girl just to hang out or whatever. Um, and you guys ended up together, what, 10, 12, 14 years down the road? Yeah, yeah, 14. Yeah, it was, um, it was a situation where we were on our, on our Sask road trip, um, and her and I had reconnected. Um, and um, you know, it just so happened that, um, you know, so our coaching staff from Prince George, there was three of us. 
uh, Mark Hollick, Roman Volpat, and myself. And the other two coaches got let go. And they were bringing in a new head coach. And I was the only member of the staff uh, that they had kept. Um, and, you know, it, it was a, an honor to play in that league, but I, or to coach in that league. But, you know, I had gone there to accomplish something with Mark. And we had a goal. Um, and we weren't given the opportunity for, to fulfill that. And it was something I resented the organization for. Um, and it just so happened with the timing with Brittany and, and um, us wanting to start a family and get married. And, um, you know, it was something that, you know, was was a real easy choice for me at the time. Um, and, uh, you know, even to this day, um, you know, something I'll, I'll never regret or, you know, I had a year left on my contract and I could have had 10 years left on a, on a contract and it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have changed that. So. Uh, yeah, no, so I'm having, having our, our, our son now and, um, you know, putting down roots in the city, you know, after moving city to city to city and, you know, being involved in hockey forever, um, you know, it gets exhausting and, uh, you know, having a chance, like I said, to start a family and, and put down some roots is, um, you know, just, uh, given the opportunity and, and situation in Prince George, it was, it was good timing. Oh, for sure. And um, I don't know too much about what you've been up to these last few years. And I apologize for that. I've been, um, you know, off on my little tangent, but um, certainly going forward, let's let's stay connected. And I'm super proud of you, man. You, you've done some amazing things. And um, I mean, I'm certainly not surprised. I knew you would. And um, I'm really happy that you and Brittany found each other again. And you guys had your son. He's super cute. And I know you've always wanted to have kids. Like, I remember talking about it with you um, when we were playing junior. Um, and so, you know, I see pictures of you with him and you just, I've never seen you look so happy. Right. Um, so I'm really, really happy for you there. Like what, do, what have you been up to these days and, and what are you doing? Are, are, do you want to coach again? Um, are you playing any hockey? Do you watch hockey? Uh, what's going on for you these days? Yeah, I, uh, I, I watch hockey constantly. Um, you know, I, I've done tons of, of, coaching and, and mentoring and, and training players. Um, you know, I've, I've done tons of, of video scouting for, for different contacts of mine. And um, currently I'm working on um, two startup companies, a, a hockey training facility uh, here in Saskatoon, um, as well as a, as a hockey training app. So, um, you know, I've never left the game uh, officially. Uh, my paychecks might not be coming from a, uh, an incorporated hockey club. Um, anymore as, as they used to always and definitely something I took pride in, but um, yeah, uh, heavily involved in hockey, watch hockey 24 seven um, and uh, you know, enjoy, enjoy the game, love the game. And, and uh, I'm thankful for, for everything it's given me and, and uh, the way it shaped me and, and my life. And um, yeah, this, you know, can't, can't say enough about it, you know, whether uh, the, you know, there's how many situations we used to think that, that we, weren't given a fair shake or, or, you know, this or that. And, and, you know, everything's a matter of perspective. It's how you look at it. And, and, um, you know, are you going to be the victim or, or are you going to use that, uh, as, as, um, you know, motivation and, and some character building and, and, uh, go and get after it. Um, you know, I remember being a kid and how many teams I made that you didn't make. Um, and, you know, however many years I was fuel for your fire um, because, you know, by the time we were 17, it was an even playing ground. By the time we were 18, you were better. 
Um, and then all of a sudden you're 20 years old playing on the line with Jamie Benn, scoring how many goals, beating up huh. everyone in the league and, and going to an American League tryout, right? So that's that's all years of all that stuff, you know, building up and and uh, building character and, and um, you know, you being able to, to be put in a position to, to use it. Um, and, you know, it's no different for me, um, you know. My dreams when I was a kid weren't to play pro in Germany, um, but uh, I'm thankful for everything the game the game gave me and my family and and where I'm at. Yeah, I mean it's it's been a it's been a ride, hasn't it? Um, you know, you've been way more heavily involved in the game than I have these past few years. Um, you know, I'm just kind of finding my way back to it now, and I'm really enjoying it. And I appreciate you coming on here. Honestly, you and I haven't talked in years, and. Um, you know, I consider you one of my best friends. Like I love you with all my heart and fuck. I used to hate you, man. Like I, I didn't hate nobody. Like I, had, I hated you, uh, as a kid, you know, but, um, we ended up, it's funny how it works, you know, when you, when you play together and, you know, we had all those great battles and, and even when we play together, we used to have great battles playing video games and, uh, you know, the champ and like, I used to lose sleep over that. If, if you won the last video game of the night or whatever, and rubbing it in my face during practice and, Oh man, we used to have some good times, right? But um, well, now, uh, now that now that we did this uh, once, you'll you'll have to make some notes, and um, you know, I'm sure we we probably have 40 episodes that we could fill up. But uh, oh, ab- we'll absolutely, and uh, I wanna I wanna have you back on. I wanna have you back on and talk uh, talk about your uh, your hockey training uh, facility and and the hockey app you, as it as it gets further developed. You know, uh, you know, uh, you know what I would love uh, for you to do is is convince Dean Chanel to come on and then uh, have, on have me on the episode. Yeah, we could do this. We could do the three, the three of us. I'm working on that. Uh, I have some exciting news to, to announce a couple different things, but yeah, there's just been lots going on, but yeah, I'm working on Dino. I actually have Dane, uh, Dave Hunchak coming on. Um, That's awesome. With, within the next five days, I talked to him the other day. So, um, yeah, Hunch is coming on. Um, I think Ryan Schweitzer from Swift Currents coming on, um, bunch of people. So a bunch of accents. What about, what about John, what about John Keen? Are you going to ask him the, the laser pointer story on the bus? Oh my God. I, I can't believe you brought that up. I was going to bring it up. Uh, um, I haven't talked to Keener, but, uh, I talked to Regan Bartell, the play-by-play guy in Kelowna. He is the, in my opinion, honestly, he's the best play-by-play guy out there. But, uh, you know, I know him and John are friends. Re- and- Regan, Regan, Regan Bartell. Never heard of him. He shoots, he scores. <laughs> yeah, he no, he's, uh, yeah, no, he's, uh, he's a great guy. But, no, I, I, I would have Keener on here if you would come on and, and maybe we could get Suey on too because of the laser pointer in the face on the bus. Yeah, we almost fought the radio guy on the bus on the American road trip our 17-year-old year because well, of the laser don't, pointer. Don't, don't, ruin, don't ruin too much of it. We'll touch on it next time. Okay, buddy. All right, listen, I'm gonna, you know, we've been talking for an hour and 40 minutes. You have a little one at home, um, you know, so, and one to take care of. Uh, I know you got to probably, it's Saturday night, but I know you're working like a, like a madman to, to, you know, just get your life going. I know you guys want to build a house or whatever. So I know you're working hard, man. Keep it up. Uh, I'm certainly proud of you. I know Tommy and Linda are, and, um, you know, send them my best and, you know, we'll definitely do this again, man. And I love you lots. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it and uh, great job. Um, listen to to all the podcasts um, that you put out here, and uh, you know the last few definitely been been um, the best, and and you're getting better. And I mean, obviously, it uh, goes to show your reputation and and how good of a player you were. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't be getting uh, all these guys like Ruskowski and and um, 
you know, guys like that. So awesome job and looking forward to, to seeing how this goes for you. Yeah, thanks, Bonjo. And uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on. I know we've been trying to do this for the last couple of weeks and uh, we've both been busy, mostly you, but um, I do appreciate you taking the time and uh, time away from your wife and kid and that. So um, yeah, anytime you want to hop on it and do this, man, like, you, you know, you're always welcome. Um, yeah, I love you, buddy. And we'll talk soon. Sounds good, buddy. Thanks. Okay, buddy. Ciao. Once again, I want to give a big thanks to Michael Hengen for coming on. It was awesome to catch up with him. It's been way too long. Um, just like <laughs> all my guests that I played with, unfortunately, I've made some bad decisions and lost touch with a lot of my friends, but this has been a great connecting with them, and uh, they're really helping me uh, stay clean. And uh, all you guys listening, you guys are helping me more than you will ever know. So thank you again for your support, and please check out www.teamissued.ca. Use promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchases. You guys, I have a super exciting news coming up um, next Sunday. I'm going to share that a uh, week today. Um, a great list of guests coming up. Adam Braidwood, Steve Septel, Terry Ryan, Dave Hunchak, um, among others, guys. Um, thank you so much for listening. And, guys, I just challenge you to get outside your comfort zone today. Uh, do something that makes you feel uncomfortable, uh, maybe to help someone else. And, um, just continue to challenge yourselves and you know I try to do that and it's a work in progress I you know sometimes need a reminder to uh, um, you know but these are the things that I think we should all be trying to do on an everyday basis and this is Machine Gun Kelly uh, 27 I love this song hope you guys enjoy it go and I at 27 then at least I know I died a legend now will you roll and ride like we're together and keep the vibe alive inside forever and feel me forever And all the pain is created I need to overdose on inspiration 27 
fly away and kiss my baby girl goodnight. And if this really is goodbye, then let's set the city on fire. Can you take me higher? Can you take me higher? Is it my duty to die? No matter how, remember, just let me be remembered. Kells. Yeah, forever young though. Huh. Always be those crazy kids running wide eyed down the boulevard. <laughs> 27. 